coming at you from Handsome Headquarters here in sunny Los Angeles, California. I'm Lee Sanger Golden, and you're listening to me talk on the internet. I'm joined remotely by my illustrious colleague, friend, and co-host, Ben. How are you doing, sir? Doing good. Wearing a puffy coat indoors, and it feels nice. all right. Yeah, it's pretty chilly here in Los Angeles, um, but still not actual winter like you know you would experience on the East Coast. Hey, we're exothermic, warm-blooded mammals. Our blood adjusts to our environment. So it is cold. Even if it's colder somewhere else, their blood is adjusted. So you know what? It's cold here, man. Have you gone outside today? It's cold. I did. I took my I took my child out for a walk in the perambular. The mm. the, the uh, what's it called? The pram. The uh, what are they? What are what are normal people who don't call who who are stroller? What's the thing like? What's the thing that people who aren't assholes call it? Because my whole thing is like I'm gonna call every single baby thing what it would be called if I was the penguin's parents. So I have the perambular. We don't have a, uh, a uh, kid's bedroom. It's the nursery. And right now, my wife is not in the living room. She's in the drawing room. And I'm not in my office. I'm in my study. But, yeah. So, you know, I've just been, just been like doing the, the parenting thing. Uh, and uh, one of the joys of being a parent is not just teaching your son how to do things. Uh, but it's also learning with your children at the same time. So something that I've always wanted to learn how to do, um, but never did was, was be a day trader, you know, do day trading. So my son and I have been learning how to do, uh, how to do day trading. And we're going to talk about this later with uh, Liberal Guilt Radio's resident uh, Stonk Wonk, Ariel. Um, but I'm sure you've heard all of the news about um, the uh, stock squeeze that the, uh, that the Reddit uh, group uh, Wall Street Bets has uh, sort of put on the big hedge funds and the sort of battle over uh, what it means to uh, invest and who gets to invest and who gets to profit um, and how that's all playing out in the media. Yeah. But it was interesting when I heard about that. Do I'm excited moment on that? Not about it specifically, but its context within exactly history and society and empires crumbling. Do you want me to say give me my thoughts for a moment, or should we skip it? No, I want to hear what you have to say. So I first saw that, and I didn't even need to really start clicking on it a few days ago. I knew exactly what was going on. Um, back in high school, me and my friend during, I think it was math class, we used to talk about stocks. I did it yeah. a little bit, but I realized that just given, given my, uh, my form of ADHD and focus and anxiety, I had a pit in my stomach, and I felt like shit every day. So I'm like, yeah. you know what? I need to find other ways to spend my time. Because no matter what, this is not the life I want to live. I don't want to be one of these stress balls. But I've always just like vaguely followed it because I found it to be, I always thought starting, I think I had this revelation when I was high once and like when I was like 20, that, uh, and then especially when Google IPO'd and in their prospectus wrote, do no evil. That was my, I definitely remember that being like, this is the downfall. Um, yeah, impossible. You can't be a publicly traded company and do no evil. Exactly. <laughs> and that it was, and then I would go on these tirades about like, forget about the tech. These are robber barons in our generation. And now people use that, but it's like, and so the right. way I thought it was like, how do you have this corollary? And then what I thought of when I saw the Reddit thing, I just read this great article by Michael Hudson. He's an amazing philosopher, economist, you know, future historian, but also historian. And so I was piecing these together in my head. And what I was realizing is like, we love making analogies to Rome or something, right? And right. how our empire will fall. And what I don't know as much about Rome, I realize, is what are the non-physical, um, what was non-physical violence going on? Because right now, our and what I mean by that is our structural violence that we, we talk about our economic systems when we say structural racism or something like that. We talk about what are the institutions and the structures and systems we have in place, all of which started before anyone's birth. And so you're always starting from not scratch, but from, you know, it has a history. And so I realized one of ours is what we call financial capitalism, 
where we have this form of money allocation and price searching that's really based on what we say is the value of an asset. But right. we first have to ask who's assigning the value and the value being assigned is by that historical uh, force, which were landowning men. Um, now it can be non-men and non-white and non-landowning. Because corporations are people. Exactly. And so what it is, it's like starting around the 70s, as it looked like we were truly in the first time of history, like, quote unquote, able to meet everyone's basic needs. So now you need to find ways to make money without doing anything real. And that's what we mean by financial capitalism, that you basically find ways. And that's why we went off the gold standard, because it allows us to create just fiat currency. It's just based on nothing. It's based on whatever we want. We also weren't going to be crucified on a cross of gold, as no. Bill Jennings once said. Exactly. And, but one of it was a big push for this, that we needed to detach from, even though it's arbitrary, but from this thing that makes sense so we can do whatever we want. And so what we get is the way to create value, which is really just money value, doesn't mean actually it says real value, is by jacking up the uh, appraised value or the expected value of some capital good. So at first that's factories and goods and stuff, but then at some point it becomes the actual financial paper itself. So it's purely in the imagination and creation of humans, completely nothing to do with reality. And the only way to keep making money is by jacking up these asset values. And the only way to do that is to have a takeover of things like you know, in the U.S., most recently, the Federal Reserve, but before with other countries, there's the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, the ways of, of, ex- of getting control of not only physical resources, but also financial systems in this ever-increasing need for, by a small number, to have their number on their screen be larger than their friends. And so what we saw this week is just the most recent, but also the most visible example of just how farcical the whole thing is because a few people found out what was going on and were able to completely over the course of a week completely uh undo it but it just shows how fickle the whole thing is it's not based on you know it's not based on anything real it's all right it's absolutely insane but to me i thought of it as like this is the non-physical violent corollary for the fall of the american empire um through our financial you know, quote unquote markets. And I don't know what the one was in Rome or other places, but that's what I've really been thinking of. We're not only spending time and attention talking about it, but it's also highly extractive. Um, right. You know, it's the estimates for just the US alone over the last 30 years is, is that this form of financial capitalism has plundered $50 trillion from the bottom 90% of so basically the 90% of the US population, which is like, I think $350,000 per household, which we know over time, things like this lead to all the stuff we talked about in past weeks, all true violence, hatred, rise of like actually acting on people's um, taught and learned racism, uh, mm-hmm. sexism, all of these things, which can be massively exacerbated when things that you might have been promised or your parents were promised are taken away from you. And as much as the you know coastal elites love calling these people stupid, they're not stupid. They know what's going on. They can see when their yeah. towns are falling apart. And it doesn't take much to understand that one of the primary reasons why is because this thing we call Wall Street is plundering them. And so right. this is just a funny little example of how just how much of how it's not really based on anything that this group of, of people course not. just, and it just absolutely, you know, you got to laugh a little bit, but it's also very sad. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, GameStop is still going to go out of business because oh, yeah. there is no, there is no future for it to, to generate any revenue. And a perfect example is, uh, the Hitman games. I love the Hitman games. I always buy the new Hitman game on the day it launches when Hitman two came out. A couple of years ago, I went to GameStop. I had a reserved copy on that day. And I went in, I plunked my money down, got the game, went home and played it. The new one launched um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and since there's a pandemic, 
And since I don't really want to use my car because parking uh, is uh, is shitty in Los Angeles um, and because I can, for the same price, buy the game just right on my Xbox by punching a button and I don't even have to deal with like the physical media, the, the disc, um, there's no reason for me to go to GameStop. I get the same experience of playing the game uh, without any of the hassle. So there's no reason why GameStop should uh, ever be able to become profitable again. Well, then how can gamers, how can like, like, where are you going to meet your other fellow gamers? How can like dorky high school kids meet each other and go on dates? Come on, Lee, there's a huge value they add. It's not financial. Much more <laughs> easily on Discord and Twitch and all of the online. I'm talking about the happenstance of running into somebody. I'm saying oh, no, that don't get me wrong. Societally, it had value. When we were kids, there was no, there was nothing called GameStop. There was a place called Video Game and Multimedia Trader, hmm. and you would go down to this place, and they would, they would have like all of the video game systems, the Sega Genesis or whatever of the time, and you would pay five dollars an hour to play games with other kids. And they didn't like create anything. In fact, they would take like free shareware products. Remember, there would be like shareware versions of games where you could just like play the first episode of a game for free. They would take those put them on discs to just like make with their own floppy disks and then sell them to kids for, for five bucks, this like free stuff. So they weren't creating anything. Um, but you know, we would hang out by, and there was a Taco Bell in a convenience store. And that was so fun to be able to just sit with other kids and play games together and have a lot of fond memories of hanging out with all of my fellow dorks at the trader. Now, these days, all you have to do is hop on Fortnite and there's a bunch of kids chattering, talking to each other. And then, you know, whenever I'm playing a game online, people I don't know just start trying to add me to their party or be my friend. And I'm like, no, I only have like two friends on Xbox that are one of them is is a guy who played me in a play. And then the other guy is 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 Gene from Inside Job. So I don't have any like people <laughs> that I don't know. But but just like how the experience of going to GameStop to buy a game has is so much easier to just do online. Uh, the experience of meeting other gamers is so much easier to do online. So the point is, there's no way for uh, GameStop to sort of ever, in its current form as a retail experience, be able to become profitable again. Now, there's many other companies like that. BlackBerry, Nokia, AMC, the movie theater company. Um, because of the pandemic and because of the dominance of other products like iPhones and such, in the case of BlackBerry and Nokia, these companies are essentially doomed, but they're still publicly traded. So this leads to what uh, happened this week. So there are these things called hedge funds. So Ben, what's a hedge fund? Uh, think of it. It's hedging something, right? They, they, they're all they're all financial products, so they're all different types of derivatives in the sense that their values derive from something else. You've heard right. there are things like options, swaps, futures, all these things. They're hedging their bets. Exactly, hedging your bets. But it sounds very, but it's it's kind of core. You're like, oh, they're hedging their bets. That's really smart of them. But what they're really doing is they're they, they and they one of the big things that Obama and Geithner did was allow. Um, hedge funds um, through a convoluted route to have access to the Federal Reserve before <laughs> things like credit unions and community totally banks. Totally insane. So, they're, so they basically, you know, with a step or two are able to create their own money. It's still debt, but they're yeah. debt-addled, um, betting, tax-funded and tax-guaranteed betting rings. Yep, they're exactly. huge gambling houses, but that with other people's money, socialize the losses, privatize the gains, and they've grown to the estimate. And there's some of the most opaque. There's no reporting. The estimate is about $4 trillion in financial assets in hedge funds. Um, and to give you a sense of in the US, there's $120 trillion. Wasn't Epstein a hedge fund manager too? Probably. I mean, the thing is with a lot of the hedge fund, they have like the yes. people that do the the numbers but then a lot of it's just relationship too you know um yeah and yeah jeffrey Ed epstein was uh yeah he was, he was into the hedge fund but yeah hedge funds are debt addled um tax 
guaranteed. He managed. He managed hedge funds. So yeah, this is absolutely crazy. This is the kind of thing that um, is yeah, like you said, socializing the losses. And because imagine uh, if over the time of hedge funds, instead of that, we had put four trillion dollars to worker-owned co-ops. Because one thing I thought about, or even something less hippie than that, like just helping people, or just yeah, or like subsidizing home loans, subsidizing or subsidizing housing, building housing, and taking the land value out of it. Uh, exactly. For building more schools or daycare centers. Or- so they're these they're these huge uh, cartels of gamblers that are managed by uh, people who are raping little girls uh, is essentially what a hedge fund is. Um, so one of the fun financial instruments that they like to do to, to make money is um, what's called shorting stocks. So basically um, you take a company like GameStop that you know the stock price is probably going to go down because the business is going down. So what you do is you find, if you're a hedge fund, you find somebody who has GameStop stock and you basically borrow that GameStop stock. And then when you have to repay the stock back to them, you're going to buy it at the lower price, assuming that it's going to go down. And then you can basically um, collect the, the difference and you basically make money from a from betting that a stock is going to go down. This is like being a manager of a fucking football team and betting every night that your team is going to lose. Okay. So, um, but of course this whole, the, the, the profit, the potential profit is predicated on the assumption that the stock price will go down. So GameStop is a perfect place to hedge your bets and uh, basically try to short these stocks. Now, a bunch of guys on Reddit, um, in this this specific specific subreddit called Wall Street Bets (WSB), they said, "Hey, let's just start buying this fucking stock." So they started buying this essentially worthless stock that a bunch of hedge funds were trying to short, and the the price went up to a ridiculous amount. Like I think it would started at like forty dollars or something, it was and then it was three. Up. You went from three to one hundred and sixty-five. 165. Well, I, I, when I saw it the other day, it was at $406, I think, by on Holy when it was at its height on 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 Wednesday. Um, and it's back down to like 265. So basically what happens is all of these guys that bet that the stock is going to go down, suddenly all the stock is going up. So like it's almost like you bet for uh, you know, you bet uh, against the underdog, and suddenly the underdog is fucking winning the fight. So because all of the stock is now rising in price, they have to, in order to shore up those losses, buy more stock. But because all the people, these like these subreddit guys are all buying the stock, the stock price is up, therefore reducing the, the, the profit they'll make. And also the stock is more scarce. So because all of these Wall Street, uh, all these, uh, these Redditor guys, these Wall Street bet guys said, let's just buy this stock that we know is essentially worthless. They fucked over these hedge fund guys out of billions upon billions of dollars. And it is one of the most amazing uh, financial revolutions that normal people have ever been able to do. A kind of techno-populism that proves um, that not only when we band together can we can we make a, a significant attack against this system, but we also expose just how ridiculous and based on nothing it is. Because at the end of the day, even when the stock was at $406 per share, the reality that it's a pandemic and everyone's buying their games online and GameStop is empty does not go away. So essentially at the end of the day, the fact that the stock went up 10,000% does not mean, or a thousand percent does not mean that the company actually has any more value and therefore exposes that the whole stock market is a fucking grift, is a fucking joke, is a fucking game designed for the Jeffrey Epstein uh, uh, little girl rapists of the world to continue to hold the power in the world. Now, of course, most of these people 
um, were using like little apps like Robinhood, which is what I use to make my little investments. Um, and, you know, Robinhood allows you to, it's, it's, it's retail, um, retail stock trading. So you're an individual and you are, you can trade stocks. You can buy two game, two GameStop shares at a time. So um, the next target after GameStop was AMC. So the movie theater company. So I figured I'd hop in. So when I woke up on Wednesday, uh, AMC stock was like $16 a share. It previously had been like $5 a share. And basically I bought a few shares um, and um, watched it go down temporarily. So I, I lost 20 bucks very quickly. And then it went back up to 18 and then I sold it at 18 and made $20. And then I took the $20 and donated it to the Palestinian Children Relief Fund. Uh, and I did it in the name of a person I don't like who I know hates Palestinian children. Um, so it was very fun to participate in this because even though it was just 20 bucks here and there, I knew that I was helping to fuck these people over. And um, so the next target was going to be um, like BlackBerry and Nokia. So I figured, fuck it. I'm going to try to do the same thing, you know, and try to just make a couple bones in a day by, by basically fake day trading uh, and then donate it to a charity or something. Um, and if I, and if I lost it, then I would lose it and probably feel guilty and donate the loss anyway. So um, I woke up and I opened up my Robinhood app. AMC no longer supported for trading. Nokia, BlackBerry, GameStop, no longer supported for trading. Now, meanwhile, do you think that the, 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 uh, the living Jeffrey Epsteins of the world, the hedge fund managers, all of these guys, do you think they were cut off from trading those stocks today? Absolutely no, so not. This is where I need to respectfully disagree with the two assertions you made. The second one is true. It shows very clearly how much of a fucking grift and worthless it is. But the first thing you said about... Um, it's a revolution. Exactly. We, it's still the illusion of power and not even the illusion anymore because what we've really shown is that this game is, uh, is guarded and it's protected yeah. by everything including our own federal government right so even though we won for a day they will they will win the the war exactly we can't win we can't take back power using the same tools they're using it has to be through other tools and but, that's why yeah but because of this most people who don't know what the fuck uh, shorting stocks is nor do they care suddenly everybody is like what shorting stocks wait the wait this is a way that like hedge fund guys can just like can basically just cheat money and then like suddenly some regular people tried to do it too and stop them and then like basically they all got shut down uh that's fucked up which gives an entree to the AOCs and the Elizabeth Warrens of the world to come out and say, yeah, here you go. Here's a perfect example of the way that the system is rigged. Let's use this as the moment to try to pass legislation. Yeah, but so, you know what? I'm yeah. not too bullish on it because we've been doing this and all the legislation, it takes so long and it's so de minimis that by the time it passes, they've already found another derivative or synthetic product to get around it. So it'll amount to absolutely nothing. It right, but it does be... prove that it does prove that people can do something and that your vote does may not matter if you vote in California, but buying 10 shares of AMC to to fuck over a hedge fund does get people's attention. It gets their attention, yes, but it doesn't lead to real transformation. Well, how do you know? You don't know that. I don't know that. All but right. it's going to take sustained efforts to take back this power. Okay. Well, if we do, if we find a hundred ways to do something like this, then maybe we can topple the giant to its knees. And I think that the David versus Goliath narrative uh, is important. And the, the quickness with which they shut us out of this and basically stopped us from being able to do this uh, just exposes their ruthless power in a way that doesn't really get press. People vaguely know that big companies are evil. 
Yeah. But to know that there is this monster called the hedge funds out there lurking, well, maybe we, the fucking scared villagers, will get enough, you know, uh, spears to go take it down. Yeah, that's the thing. If it doesn't, if the, if our electeds or lawmakers aren't, because like right now, China is actually dealing with a much smaller shadow banking, and they're yeah. gonna do probably, in my mind, what we should do: treat the people doing it like bullies. This is their toy. And eat them. <laughs> no, this is their toy. Take away their toy. You don't have to like put go. them in a dungeon or kill them or something. Just take away their toy and castigate them. Or what's the word? Chastise them in public. Chastise them. Yeah. Humiliate them. Um, and basically the way I say it is like the way we'll do a no-knock raid of someone's house on the hunch that they might have drugs or arrest a kid caught with a bag of weed and put him in jail overnight. Apply that exact same logic to everybody that works on Wall Street. Take away their yeah. toys. Because this is Give what China mark on do. their record. Give a mark of the record and don't let them back in. Maybe some of the people aren't that bad, but whatever. But the thing is, we're not going to do that because our history is always built around protecting property rights of property yeah. owners. And for us to do that, it's going to require. That's how this country was started. It's true. And it's going to take a full, it's going to take a mat, like China's in its current iteration because of having five or six generations of being humiliated by the West, by being occupied and being able to drum up that spirit and be like, we're regaining this. So like China is going to crack down on their shadow banking way more swiftly and way more once they figure out their exact plan. And we're just going to try to reform it through mediocre watered down things and never actually hold any individual to account for what they did. But we'll keep, right. you know, arresting hundreds of thousands of people a year because they've got a fucking joint in their mouth. Or they're, you know, walking with their, uh, you know, walking in their talk. It just, it's ridiculous. So yeah, it's just going to be, that's why I say nothing's really going to change until we yeah. start to have a revolution, my man. Well, speaking of revolution and speaking of all that, like fall of the Roman empire shit you were talking about, um, this, uh, something I've been reading that my, my dad gave me is this book called first principles. That is a study of the founding fathers and, um, sort of. Uh, the influences the educational influences on them that contributed to the ways in which our constitution was framed and basically um and I, I didn't really know too much about these guys and, and what they they learned but you know at the time there was basically two schools in two colleges in the united states yale and, and harvard um and then eventually Princeton started started up and, you know, they were like the liberal UC Berkeley of the time. And then Columbia started up to be the the um, the more conservative answer to that um, up in the New York, New Jersey area. Although at the time, Princeton was called New Jersey University or College of New Jersey or whatever. But a lot of these schools were um, were the, the professors were folks that were part of um, not the the regular enlightenment, but what was called the Scottish enlightenment. And so a lot of these guys were, you know, the revolutionary framer guys were influenced by the enlightenment, but specifically the Scottish enlightenment. Um, and, and anyway, it's been interesting to see how obsessed these dudes were with um, their sort of Roman analogs. And we've talked in the past about how like, yeah, we've modeled our government, you know, and the fact that we have like senators and all of this kind of stuff. And the fact that like our our architecture is literally this like grotesque aping of, of, of Greco-Roman style. Um, but I didn't sort of realize the the degree to which they these men really modeled their, their lives after the... Um, after these these figures and thinkers from uh, from from Rome and also to a lesser degree uh, ancient Greece, even George Washington or George Washington, as I <laughs> heard him described uh, uh, called recently, um, he was the only one of you know the, the of, of the the original president guys and the the framers who didn't go to college, but even he sort of under he had the great reverence for for the Roman Republic and its, uh, and its, uh, its most famous leaders and, and a hatred for, for Julius Caesar specifically. Um, and uh, he sort of knew that in order to, to make your way 
in um, and become a, 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 a leader in uh, colonial, soon to be um, the United States, was to sort of model yourself after these, these Roman guys and make yourself like kind of a modern Roman Republican. And they were very obsessed with like the fall of the Roman Empire and the fact that, um, you know, these like Julius Caesar basically declared himself like emperor for, for life. So they were kind of trying to figure out how do we create a ancient Rome that we can prevent from falling by preventing like a Julius Caesar type guy from, from rising. And I think that what we've seen is like, it's sort of, you know, Trump basically wanted to do that. And like the system they set up sort of like barely worked. Now, the fundamental flaw of all of this is of course that the whole system and its sense of liberty and like, Oh, it's all about liberty and virtue was all based on bullshit because these guys all assumed from their enlightenment thinking that men were fundamentally virtuous. And as long as you set up this framework for freedom called the constitution, you could rely on the virtue of people to let it work. But then of course we see the Richard Nixon's of the world and the, the Donald Trump's of the world and these non-virtuous men who ascend to this position and um, we see that it really is not enough. So obviously, and it's interesting because you see like the, the, the Rand yeah. Falls and, and the what Ted, I Ted think... Cruz of the world who are so obsessed with George Washington mm -hmm. and Jefferson and Adams um, that they have this reverence for these guys thinking that they're these fucking deity geniuses that those same guys had for their, their Roman analogs. And of course, um, Interestingly enough, I would say that the Rand Pauls of the world are the ones that are closest to the Thomas Jeffersons of the world because they believe in this feudal state where essentially you got a bunch of fucking rich guys and they don't want to be taxed and they want to be able to vote but prevent people who can't uh, who aren't rich enough to have their voice heard and they want the government to fucking leave them alone and they don't want the government to help anybody else who's not as well off as them. So in a way, these assholes who say like, this is what the framers would have wanted. And then we say, no, it's not like eh, they're kind of right in a weird way. But the fundamental flaw, just to finish this thought out, is that this whole thing about and the fact that it shows that the whole thing is is just is bullshit. This whole thing about freedom is because the whole system and the success of the system was based on slavery, specifically racism. And what this this author of this first principles book points out is that like, even though th these guys were like, oh, slavery is okay because, you know, the Romans, they were the greatest people on earth and they fucking enslaved people. So we can too. But what they sort of glossed over is the fact that um, the enslaved people of ancient Rome, it was not based on race. It was based on circumstance and people were not considered inferior because they were slaves. They were considered to just be sort of unlucky. Oh, Hey, we invaded your fucking village and we took over. So now you're enslaved by us. Um, and in fact, slaves back then, apparently enslaved people back then apparently had like some degree of rights, like they could buy their freedom and they could also like lobby to say like, there's some sort of system set up where they could say, Hey, I'm not being treated fairly or whatever. So the slave, the enslaved people, People of ancient Rome were actually closer to just sort of like minimum wage workers here. Obviously, yeah, but they learned rather, from us. I guess work at McDonald's than I would work they at sent um, envoys to the south at, in the 30s. Uh, uh, be an enslaved person in ancient Rome. But it was the same kind of thing. Like, hey, you know, you work at McDonald's and you, your life sucks, but if you work hard, you can earn your freedom and be rich too. And so it wasn't really based on racism at all. And something my, my mom was telling me about the other day uh, that uh, I don't, I, I can't, I don't know where she heard this, but I thought it was interesting. She was reading some book where the Nazis apparently, while they were sort of building their ideas for the Reich, they were looking at sort of how, how America became so strong and like how our systems of bondage allowed us to rise up and become so powerful. And they looked at the way that the, the enslaved people in the United States were treated and they were like, Oh shit. Like that seems crazy. I can't believe that they fucking went that far. Obviously the, the Nazis were, did their own horrible stuff. And I'm not saying that, Oh yeah, but they learned from us. And in fact, we're sort of like disgusted by, they were sort of disgusted by what, what they did. They're like, we would never bring Jews into our country. What the fuck? Anyway, uh, enough out of me. No, that's very interesting. Cause yeah, I, I sometimes go back. I think about this idea of the first principles and it's like, sometimes as you were talking, I'm like, these guys sound like the original gaslighters. They were really good at 100%. making you sound, think that they were doing all this great stuff. But if you 
strip it away at the end of the day, what they're really saying is not only can this entire group of people not be trusted, but um, we're going to set up all of these undemocratic things because you can't trust the masses to make good decisions because they're stupid. And so in my 32nd rendition of U.S. history over the last 250 years, what we've seen is that the stupid people have actually done the smartest things and the most progressive things and tried to live up to the words of the Constitution. And it's gotten batted down either by the excessive powers we've given to our Supreme Court, which someone has shown has more often than not, except for a very short period in the civil rights era where they were just affirming legislation, not really being proactive, have been incredibly, um, I don't even want to say conservative, just bringing, stripping away all the progress we've made and giving- Evil. Yeah. They've aggressive. Been, they've been all about protecting property rights, property rights, property rights. And then we have the Electoral College, which some people could say is the reason why Trump was in power. If it was a popular vote, you wouldn't have needed any. <laughs> and so my very short rendition is that uh, the framers were gaslighting us. They didn't trust us stupid masses, but it looks like the stupid masses have uh, marked up a whole lot more wins than the property owning uh, elites who think of themselves as so smart because they have pretty words and know how to gaslight. Right. And that's all it is. That's entire U.S. history, the end. So where do we go there from here? Go. What's this year going to bring? Well, I think the fundamental uh, concept of the progressive movement in the United States is to take that lie of of the framers that, oh, all people are equal and they should be free because they we do it, in, it to the song of Mr. Mr. Take these broken lies. Yeah, exactly. We, we've we've realized that that was a lie that that was used to protect their property. OK. And basically said, well, it's written down. You wrote down that all people should be equal. Uh, so let's actually do that. Let's actually make people equal. So um, it's not about going against the Constitution. It's about actually um, taking these first principles and trying to actually live up to them and not use them as cover for this great grift, which is all just about protecting people's specifically rich right. people's property rights. But we've seen the people that don't want to live up to them no, are the rich not. people and the property rights. And that's why we started with the subreddit and Wall Street, because that's really the neo-feudal state. They're not landlords, they're property lords. And their property is a number and some entries on a computer screen now. There's not even anything physical about it. Let you know, not even is it silver coinage, which is also arbitrary. It's just entries. We need just a big fucking magnet, like we said, erase all of the computers. And then what would happen is overnight, all of their claims are yes. worthless. And they're they've got nothing. Because you even the things that represent a beautiful thing, a big, big magnet. Absolutely, Operation Goldeneye. Because even the things that actually are mm. things, like if you if you own GameStop stock, essentially you own stock in a company that has buildings. But the fact that they have buildings, the fact that AMC has buildings, is what actually is reducing their fucking value. But but I'm saying if you look at it in a post magnet world, you can still use yeah. the building, the, the stock, the claim yeah. on their on their uh, perceived is, is, is worthless. worthless. It's like why it's but it's the GameStop the, the old GameStop can still be used as a place to put people in if they're cold. It's all these anonymous people who have nothing to do with the actual business are, are able to uh, plunder actual humans or the planet for money wealth. And so that's what would be great. Just this post magnet world, the buildings are still there and they got a lot of value because you can use them to do things right. in, like play games. So if you if you have a slumlord, okay, and he owns your building, and that basically he doesn't live in the building, mm -hmm. he doesn't fix the plumbing in the building, he doesn't clean the building, he doesn't go to the building. But because on the bank record and all of the records and the deeds and titles, he owns the building, everybody uh, who lives in the building is indebted to them. Uh, everybody who makes money, um, cleaning and you know taking out the trash 
or being the, you know, um, the concierge, those people are all sort of indentured to him. Um, if the big magnet comes, if Operation Goldeneye happens and 006 wipes out the bank record, wipes out all the mm. records, in fact, well, he'll show up at the place and say, well, I own this place. And then they'll say, well, I'm in here. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Yeah. And unless... Cause, <laughs> I live yeah. here. You don't own this place. I live here. Mm -hmm. And in this post-magnet world, the courts and the military wouldn't necessarily protect this slumlord anymore. That's the only reason why people keep paying rent, because they know what the consequences are. It's not because they like their slumlord and they appreciate his gift to but them for giving them housing it's because they know what the consequences are that's the only reason these claims work because money uh to to yeah. cite our beloved david graber was probably first created in the way we use it now for raising armies and how did so so in his telling very short briefly again his anthropological telling uh uh, I can't remember where this was, many different places, wanting to raise armies, realizing they couldn't just, they, they couldn't do it so easily. So they go to the villages, they say, you need to start paying taxes with this currency. Well, I don't have any of that currency. Well, you have to get some. How do I get some? Have your son come to our army and we'll pay him. And then we won't kill you or kick you out of your house. And they say, okay. So our money was created right. in violence and it continues to be steeped in it indirectly, of course, but sometimes directly because we know what the consequences are. It's a threat of violence or force for not leaving this yep. slum infested Lord house. So you bring us to the great variable hmm. and that is the what great variable when operation golden eye succeeds. Mm -hmm. What happens to all the guns? Because what we're seeing now is that like ah. all of these crazy, all of these crazy guys, these, these uh, uh, insurrectionist uh, white supremacist rioters, these guys, although they're not as organized, let's say, as the Chinese army, they are very well armed and to some degree organized. There are millions and millions of military grade weapons owned by civilians. But what are they made out of, Lee? Metal. Right. No, no, but the point is not like the EMP blast is going to destroy I'm them. The kidding. point is like so there's that. There's that element. That's already a huge X factor. But then you said, well, the cops and the army, they're not going to protect them anymore. So what happens to them? And that is really the sort of scary thing about what happened is that, thank God, the military basically went out and they said, we will not intervene with this election. But if those were different guys and they said, yeah, actually, we're fuck woot woot Trump, we're going to intervene. Well, we'd be living a very different story today. We so, would be. So the, 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 <laughs> here's the thing that sort of like frightens me is on one hand, you have people like us who, you know, support movements like Black Lives Matter, uh, who support not, not, maybe not necessarily defund the police, but sort of like refund the people as opposed to fund the police. Um, and then on the other side, and, and, and then like a, lo a lot of people who just like, I don't trust or like cops because they have fucked over my community, killed my brothers and sisters and parents and sons. Uh, so I fucking hate them. And I do not respect their authority. Then on the other side, you have the um, the guys who took over the, the, like that place in Oregon. And you have these, these guys who were beating the shit out of cops during the insurrection who sort of hate cops too, because they represent the sort of like authority of what they sort of perceive as like the liberal deep state. Right. And then there's this like coalition of moderate people, the sort of Joe Biden's of the world who like they say, we don't, we don't agree with any of these positions. And like, there's a sort of, there, there, there's a sort of enough like patriotic people who sort of like believe that like cops and the army are fundamentally there to, to help out. And they will sort of like the best case sort of scenario is that the, the, the kind of moderate side of the country will sort of bond together and hide behind the cops 
and allow the cops to sort of beat down uh, these crazy extremists. Yeah. Except I don't like, I, I, I won't uh, give them the sucks. term. I won't give them the term moderate though. Sure. Because they're actively supporting this neo-feudal state. Yep. So I don't want to exactly let them what I'm hold the ground with moderate. But so, other than that, all your description is 100%. I just don't yeah. like letting them have that word moderate. Sure. Sorry. No, yeah, they're, they're, it's worse than moderate. It's nothing. It's fear. It's like, I don't want to piss off the cops. <laughs> I don't want to piss off the business people too much because I have so much to lose. Because middle-class people. people have have a enough generational wealth and enough investment in the system that they don't really want revolution. At, at best, they want to preserve what they have. And at worst... Right, but uh, that's the thing about revolution is sometimes by not taking aspects of what the revolutionaries are asking for, you actually assist and and, uh, and help the revolution start because by holding on to what you have and getting in bed with the devil, this, the neo-feudal state, you Correct. think you're like, oh, you know, they're too revolutionary, this or that. It's like, but you don't understand that the thing you're supporting at some point you can't control. It. And it's just like, it's so naive and ahistoric. That's the other problem. 2016 is a perfect historic. example of that. 2016 yeah. is a perfect example of what you're talking about, which is mm-hmm. clearly there was an anti-establishment insurgency happening. And it wasn't even, obviously a lot of it was white supremacy um, and hatred of Mexican people and all that. Um, but a lot of it was also just like fucking Anti- hatred for neoliberal and neoconservative. Exactly. And Bernie's campaign showed that and the DNC and Democratic Party hated it. They loved the neo-feudal state and they crushed it. Yes. And th- there's a great uh, there's a great clip that they kept playing on all of the news networks of this lady saying, well, I don't want a revolution. And she was like, a you know, she was a, a Democratic voter. And she, I don't want a revolution. And it was kind of like what you want, lady, is fucking irrelevant. Because there was a revolution about to occur, an anti-establishment insurgency. The question is, who was going to channel it? Now, because Mm -hmm. the Republicans have winner-take-all primaries, they were able to channel it on accident. They didn't really want to. And because we have all of this super delegate bullshit on the Democratic side, we weren't able to channel it. And so I've been working on this play, Barry and the Donald, that's about this alternate history in which... Because Donald Trump used to have like he used to have pretty socially liberal views and have like great favorability ratings among uh, young people and people of color. This alternate reality in which he runs for the the Democratic nomination um, and is going to win, but because of all of the super delegate shit, they managed to basically broker the convention. Um, and the only way they stop that is they basically put this young guy uh, Barack Obama on the ticket. But anyway, that's another story. So. Let's get back to like the great variable, which is all of these fucking guns. And um, I, I want to talk about um, this, the people saying, oh, there's there might be a civil war coming or there's a cold civil war happening or something like this. Um, what I want to actually discuss is the fact that a sort of soft secession, an individual case-by-case secession is occurring because you have tens and millions of people who don't accept the results of the previous election. So you have, uh, there was this one guy who brought a court case in Texas and basically uh, he, his suit was dismissed because it was horseshit, but he basically said that like, since the election was a fraud, um, I, as a plaintiff am being damaged by the federal government, And in order to uh, for things to be made right, we must dismiss the results of this election and that every single person who was elected is no longer valid. Right. So it's an extreme. It's even more extreme than the kind of like, well, the the Republicans who won, they didn't cheat, but the Democrats who won, they did cheat. It's a sort of idea that. This whole thing is invalid. So I think there is a legal argument that obviously there's no precedent for it being accepted, but all it's going to take is like one sort of Joe Arpaio, the uh, the judicial version of Sheriff Joe Arpaio to say, yeah, this is true. There is this legal argument that basically is the United States of America ended in 2020. 
that as of 2021, as of as of the uh, inauguration of Joe Biden, the U.S. federal government, the United States of the government, uh, United States of America, no longer exist. That basically the authority of the United States lapsed in 20 at the end of 2020 because there was not a legitimate constitutional election, and since the Constitution was not followed. And obviously, I don't agree with this argument, but since it was not followed, it therefore this legal compact of the Constitution, which forms these United States, is null and void. And essentially, the U.S. is over. So I think that people are saying, well, there might be a Cold War coming. No. Or a civil war coming. No. What happened is a what's happening is a large number of the population has. It's not that they've accepted that the election was stolen they have accepted that the united states it's they don't have to secede no one has to secede because the u.s government has ended according to according to them not according to us i mean look at in china there's over 200 million people that don't identify themselves as chinese they live in the chinese boundary so they what if these people don't, don't have ar-15s and humvees oh you're talking about what are they going to do Oh, yeah. I thought you were first going to go to like, you need to have carbon fiber weapons because they won't get sucked up by the magnet because they're non-metallic. Oh, you're talking about a literal magnet. I thought you were talking about like a magnet that you would use like in Fight Club to like wipe the VHS tapes. You're talking about- I'm talking about an atmospheric magnet. Yeah, That is the dumbest thing you've ever said. (laughs) I know. But so, yeah, I see what you're saying. So they, and then you're saying this is the view- let's take up arms and do something about it. So where do they first exert the force? Is it in state houses? Is it just people? Is it, is it, uh, refusing to follow laws, refusing to pay taxes. People refuse to do that all the time right now. It's not not physically violent. So where do they exactly? That's what I'm saying is the civil war has already occurred. Yeah. And it started from the top down. Yeah. It started with the richest refusing to pay which has always been going on. I read a great history of this. The idea of like offshore accounts is just the newest iteration, but they've yeah. always found till since the even United in England, States is the original offshore account. England was. England did it be- way before we were even a country. That's what they I had- mean. The colonies were the offshore account. And basically yeah. the, the, the US revolution, the revolutionary war is an instance of a offshore account revolting. No, no, even, even, closer, even closer to the way of avoiding to pay Taxes in, in London, they did it through currency exchanges where they would, mm. uh, they had a, a system, I think it was two, three or four steps, but basically a way where right now our biggest companies say all of our income was generated in Cyprus or Maldives or whatever, which is obviously bullshit. So we don't pay income taxes. They did the same thing because it was based on currency. So they Cyprus said it was all over here, the, the city near Long Beach. Exactly. But yeah, so, uh, but what did they but but then where does this where does it play out what should we what do we do plays out all over the place i mean it's it starts when guy you know it's um there you know joe biden says there's a federal mask mandate no and nancy pelosi says you have to you can't bring a gun into the capitol building no Gretchen Whitmer says you can't bring a gun. You can't bring your AR-15 on Capitol grounds. No. So we're, we're going to pay be taxes. The first... No. You have to have your house connected so, to okay, the grid. Lee, Lee, no. Lee, I get it. I get it, Lee. So where's the first physical standoff, organized standoff? It occurred in Oregon. Then where's the next one? It's where's occurring it? right now. But organized in the sense of like 1-6. Uh, in sense of what? January 6th. Oh, oh, the insurrection. I see. Mm-hmm. One six. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's another instance of it as well. Well, well some of the, what you're calling the arms insurrectionists try to take over, physically take over an entire state capital and all of its courthouses and um, places of business. Do you mean that? Well, well, they did. I mean, there, there was instances where the courthouse, uh, uh, yeah. uh, capital buildings were stormed way before this like during before even the election during the lockdown um and also hundreds of years ago so so do you think those were the those were the sort of like 
um, uh, dress rehearsals for this. Mm-hmm. The, the, the only reason why one six happened is so many other instances of guys with AR-15s and although the people weren't really able to bring guns into the Capitol building on one six, but guys just basically storming the capitals and, and taking over. It happened two or three times during the uh, during the first round of lockdowns. Mm-hmm. And they were like empowered. Hey, we can do this at the federal level. So, Lee, where do we go from here? Let's wrap. I think I was also going to say yeah. in the future, we've yeah. got to start. I realize one of the things by doing this virtually is we're not as funny as we used to be. So we got to figure out how to bring a little humor back in. But where do we yeah. want to where do we want to leave it today? Sure. Um, well. Jesus fucking Christ. Do you want to give a piece of advice to our listeners? Do you want to make a prediction? Do you want to just drop the you mic know, and leave? I think that. You know, it's interesting, um, but the before we solve any of this shit, the two things that we need to solve are, and I hate to sound like such a fucking hip, hippie libtard, but the two things we need to, stop, to, to solve are climate change and gun control, because these are the two eminent threats. You know, they're saying like, oh, okay. Yeah, this domestic terrorism, domestic, uh, uh, um, um, these domestic, you know, criminals, domestic terrorists um, that we're seeing that we need to crack down on, the FBI needs to crack down on. Sure, they're only a threat because we don't have gun control. So basically, the fact that we are surrounded by guns and all it will take is some kind of crazy cultural event, some, some Operation GoldenEye, some EMP blast from North Korea to open up the gates to everybody just doing whatever, whether it's creating crazy little feudal communities or, or just fucking shooting people based on whatever they want to shoot them on. Um, and th- basically uh, there's that ticking time bomb of all of these fucking guns all over the place. And then there's the ticking time bomb over the fact that we are ba- basically melting ourselves off of this fucking planet. So until you basically take the literal and figurative guns up to our temple of um, of all of these fucking rifles out there and the fact that we are making our, our planet increasingly uninhabitable, nothing else matters. So we have to, we have to, I don't like the idea of like going into people's homes and taking guns away from them. I feel like a, a rancher should have a fucking 22 rifle to, to shoot coyotes or whatever. Um, but uh I don't know what else to do. You know, I don't like the idea of just like going and telling businesses what they have to do, but but I think we have to, we just, we have to stop melting our planet and we have to take all of these fucking guns and, and just smelt them down. I really don't know what else there is to do. Mm-hmm. So call your fucking congressman. It sounds so fucking dumb, but like, I don't know. Not Don't even call your congressman and tell them to, uh, to vote for gun control or whatever. Go to your neighbors. And I tell this to every single motherfucking moron I know who owns a gun or wants a gun. Because you know what? I'm a dude. I'm a red-blooded guy. I think guns are cool. They look cool. They feel cool. I like shooting guns. I like, I play violent-ass video games. All the movies I like are about people shooting each other with fucking guns. Guns are cool, okay? I love guns, sure. I don't own a gun because there's no fucking reason for me to own a gun. And more than that, it is dangerous to my family and those around me to own a gun. So I don't because I'm a fucking adult. Okay. So to everybody, you know, who owns a gun because they think it's cool or they think they're going to save themselves. You need to go to them and say, you, sir, or ma'am are a fucking coward. You're a goddamn coward. Fuck you. You've endangered me by owning a gun. You're a selfish piece of fucking shit. You're a fucking coward. And I hate you and I don't respect you. Fuck you. Put down your guns or you will just prove what a fucking spineless piece of shit coward you are. Are you going to demilitarize? What about the police, though? (laughs) I'm telling you, refund the police. Right, because the thing is, this is a bad idea. The only times that violence against black people has gone down in the U.S. is when they're armed. So we've got to deal with them both simultaneously. Yeah, or the other option. But yeah, we have to address guns. And then maybe the next show, I'll, I'll, I'll give my thoughts on why climate change has to be seen, in my mind, first as a social issue and then environmental. Because if we do environment first, no uh, it's going to have... 
negative feedback effects. But of we'll course. get that to that next week. But yeah. I like yours, climate change and gun control. Of or not even control, uh, destruction. I don't know how else to put it. I, it, it sounds crazy, yeah, but like, no, I like I, we just have to. It I mean, doesn't sound crazy. What, what is sounds my, crazy is that we have so many that it's become so much of an issue. I mean, we just have to think about what our ultimate goal as a society is. I know my ultimate goal is a place where the sun shines, people have uh, food to eat, a place to go when it rains, and they're not worried they're going to get fucking murdered. And in order to do that, we have to do something with these guns and we have to save our fucking planet. And then we'll eat the hedge fund managers. Cool. I like those right, both. Bye. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining everybody today, Ben. Thanks for, for dialing in again. I think, yeah, once we get all of this, all of this shit sorted out with the pandemic and, and we feel safe. Yeah, we're going to start being funny again next time. We're going to start being, we're going to start doing funny voices and all that kind of fun stuff that we used to do on Liberal Guilt Radio. And it was talk easier when we were in the same room. There was something about, you know, but, you yes. know, we'll figure it out. Yes. All right, buddy. Well, hang in there. Take care. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Cool. Ciao. Ciao.